Welcome to episode 13 of the Credit Card BS Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm the UC Berkeley graduate that created and taught the university-sponsored course on credit card rewards. I'm here with my co-host, Sherwin. Hi, everyone. I'm Sherwin. I'm a Stanford student who got into the travel points and miles and credit card game more than a year ago. Since then, I've amassed millions of points and gone on a lot of cool trips with my family here to share some of the things I've learned along the way with you. The reason this is called the Credit Card BS Podcast, as some of you probably already know by now, is that the initials BNS reflect the schools that Sean and I attend respectively, Berkeley and Stanford. But as normal, we've put aside our differences today to talk about credit card rewards. Today's episode, a five-star Hawaii vacation for two-star prices. Now, Hawaii is one of the most sought after vacation destinations. But one thing people often think is that going to Hawaii is going to be really expensive. Um, and that's true to a large extent, but we've discovered a lot of cool techniques that we can use to not only lower the cost of our trip, but also elevate the type of experiences we're able to have. Yeah, I think Hawaii is one of the most hackable destinations out there. There's just so many good tricks. So first, before we talk about any of the accommodations, we're gonna talk about how to actually get to Hawaii. So we're going to talk about the flights. So the very best way, in my view, to get to Hawaii for as cheap as possible using miles is going to be on United Airlines booking with Turkish Airlines miles. So Turkish Airlines has a very, very, very competitive award chart for continental or sorry, just any flights within the United States. So if you're flying one way on United Airlines booking with Turkish miles anywhere in the United States it's only 7,500 miles in economy one way and only 12,500 miles in business one way. That is like an insanely good price. Like I cannot emphasize enough how amazing that price is. And this is by far going to be the very cheapest way that you're going to be able to get to Hawaii. And there's basically no taxes or surcharges on this. It's only $5.60 per person per way. Now, finding the space, the way to do this is you need to find United Airlines saver availability, okay? So you have to use a tool like Expert Flyer or go on the United calendar on united.com. And when you're looking for these awards, it needs to very specifically say saver availability. Otherwise, you won't be able to book it. Finding for economy is overall pretty easy. It's not that difficult to do. It's fairly like simple to do if you're doing it far out. Business, however, even though it's an amazing deal, it's very, very, very hard. Sharon, what what are your thoughts on on this Turkish deal? Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing if you think about the pricing. And, you know, I think one common misconception that people have is that you need an airline's miles to fly that airline, right? If I want to fly United, the best way is to use United miles. If I want to fly Delta, I'm going to use Delta miles. That's actually really not the case anymore with, you know, these airline partnerships, right? So United Airlines is a member of the Star Alliance, Turkish Airlines is also a member of the Star Alliance. Now, we're not going to be flying Turkish Airlines to Hawaii, but we're going to be using Turkish Airlines miles to book United, right? That's a very important concept to keep in mind. Now, Turkish Airlines miles can be easily earned from Capital One points and City Thank You points. Um, those all transfer to Turkish Airlines at a one-to-one -one ratio. And what's really nice about that is that you can, right, if you think about it, 7,500 miles gets you one way on United anywhere in the United States, including Hawaii, right? 7,500 points, if you cash them out for like your city points, would only be $75, right? But think about how much the cash tickets for Hawaii usually are. Could be like three to 600 round trip, depending on if it's like an on-peak date, 
right? So you, you could be saving a lot of money and getting a lot of value with this trick. Now, while this is an amazing redemption, there are some hoops you have to jump through with Turkish Airlines. I'll start with one. In order to book the Star Alliance Award ticket, when you search on the United or the Turkish website, you got to make sure that you go into your account and there, under Miles Transactions, there's a button titled like Star Alliance Ticket or Award Ticket, something like that. And you click on that and then you do the search. If you try to do the award search from the main Turkish Airlines page, you're not going to get any results. And, you know, it's not really immediately obvious to many people and they get frustrated, but you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, I want to interject something real quick on this. So this is actually a problem a lot of times like I've run into. If you search, if you Google Turkish Airlines Star Alliance Award Searcher, the first link, it will take you to Turkish Airlines website and there'll be a button that says Star Award Searcher, okay? You click that, it's going to prompt you to log in. So then you log in and then the next page is this, you know, it seems like a award searcher for Star Alliance, but it's not. After you log in, it redirects you to the general Turkish Airlines Award Searcher. And so when you search on that, you're not going to see anything. So you have to go back to that first link after logging in, click it again, then it will take you to the Star Alliance Award Searcher. I also just want to quickly say some of the routing rules of how this is going to work. So it doesn't need to be a direct flight. Obviously, if it's a direct flight, that's great. But even if you're flying from the East Coast, you can, you know, go to Hawaii with the same price, even if there is a layover. The thing is, the layover has to be four hours or less. If it's greater than that, they're going to consider it a separate award and the price is going to double. So that's just something you have to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, from my experience, if it's a direct flight, they typically show up on the Turkish Airlines website when you're trying to book. But if you have a layover, um, they don't really show up properly when you search. So you may have to call in to Turkish Airlines or email um, to get your award ticketed. And when you do that, you basically need to tell the agent each um, flight segment separately so they can piece that together. Um, Sean, have you had experience calling in Turkish Airlines? What oh has that been like? Oh, boy. Okay, so it's quite an experience, I will say that. So <laughs> it's not that the representatives are like mean or anything like that. They're just not the most competent. So one, it's very difficult to hear them. I don't know like if their microphones are really bad or something, but it's, it's difficult to hear them. You'll have to, I, this is a pro or a minus depending on how you look at it. You'll definitely want like to know the phonetic alphabet. So you're not going to say like W, you have to say like whiskey just to make sure they get the letters right on everything. And so that's like one thing that's annoying. Sometimes like you will try to explain what you're doing, but they'll tell you like the wrong mileage cost. So like maybe you're trying to book, you know, Newark to Honolulu and maybe there's like a stopover in LAX and you're trying to explain it should be a single award be in the layover is, you know, less than four hours, but for maybe they're searching it wrong and they can't see it or whatever. But usually if like the saver availability is there, they should be able to see it. You'll have to hang up and call again. It's quite an experience. Um, yeah, I think a couple things as well. Like in my experience, when I've like searched on the Turkish Airlines website, Sometimes the awards show up, sometimes they don't. Like I've searched LAX to Honolulu when I know the space is there. And for some reason, it only shows me LAX to SFO to Honolulu, which obviously why would I want to take that when I could just fly direct? Yeah, so it's quite annoying to deal with because, you know, you're just trying to book your award. You see the space there. Sometimes these things can disappear fairly quickly. And it's just not the most fun having to call in or especially email. Like who, who wants to wait for an email when you find this like, you know, awesome award, super great price. So I think you're going to need some patience, definitely, when calling the customer service team. It's not like, that's the trade-off you're making, okay? You get this amazing, amazing award price for super low taxes on, you know, a legitimate airline. 
but you're going to have to deal with Turkish customer service. It's not the most fun. And the other issue as well is that there's possible issues when you're trying to book for multiple people other than yourself. I, I've heard like kind of mixed data points on this. I've had success booking Turkish awards on Turkish metal using a mileage account that was not flying on the flight, but I don't know exactly how it works for Star Alliance. You know, to be honest, it's always tricky with Turkish Airlines. Just the real moral of the story is just have some patience with this. It's not like a super easy to book award. Yeah, I almost wonder if it makes sense for some people to forego using Turkish Airlines, even though the mileage cost is lower if, you know, it makes more sense for them to deal with another program that might have higher costs, but have better customer service, just depending on how much you're willing to tolerate. Like I can tell you definitely it is struggle. Literally just yesterday, I tried calling Turkish Airlines, not about Star Alliance award, but there was a ticket I booked where because of some middle name mismatch, I couldn't link the Turkish Airlines number to it. And then like, it's really hard to hear the representative that I had. I called them using like Google voice on my laptop at like the volume turned up all the way and it was like still and I was like enunciating really hard and you know they, they're obviously not native English speakers and half the time couldn't understand I was like literally trying to read them the booking reference code and we spent like four minutes doing it was like six letters I had to go with like the phonetic alphabet and so on so you know you got to have the patience and you know in this case I ended up deciding not to pursue this I mean I would have gotten a thousand more miles credited to my Turkish Airlines account I forgot the issue fixed but it was just such a hassle it's like this thousand miles is not worth my time anymore right and sometimes you need to think about those trade-offs not just with turkish airlines but with you know planning travel um in general but in, in this case yes yeah, 7500 miles is really good but that's if you can find a the award availability with united and then b jump through all the hoops with turkish airlines so that's kind of my take on this program yeah, I think that's a good take. I think it depends on like your circumstance and how much work you want to put in, you know, what the current prices are and everything like that. I will say, you know, the award availability, like on, or sorry, what I was going to say is that when you're booking it, like if you can book it online, that's usually like when it's kind of a no brainer almost, because if it's showing up online, that's pretty easy to do. If you have to call or email, it really does depend, you know, but the other thing is that Turkish miles expire three years after they're transferred into your account. So don't like transfer them speculatively. I have 120,000 Turkish miles sitting in my Player 2's account because we canceled some business class awards, and so I have to spend those within like the next two and a half years. So just make sure that you know what you're doing with this. It's not you know for everyone. So I think we should move on now to the next way to fly to Hawaii, and this is a potentially very, very interesting one that I don't see talked about much, okay? And so this is on Hawaiian Airlines. Now, Hawaiian Airlines miles usually suck, okay? I'm not going to lie. Usually they're complete trash. But they do have some interesting sweet spots to them. And so the main sweet spot is that... But before you for, go into that, oh, yes. how can one get Hawaiian Airlines miles? Very, very good question. So Hawaiian Airlines miles are transferable from American Express and Built. I'm not sure if they have any other transfer partners on the top of my head. Uh, you can also earn them with the Hawaiian Airlines credit card, which normally isn't that good of a credit from card. Barclays, it's from right? Barclays, From Barclays, yeah. yes. Uh, they do have a business card as well, though, so that could be better. Um, it, you know, the bonus on that's usually 60 to 70 to 80,000 Hawaiian miles, um, which normally isn't that great, but the sweet spots on them are potentially pretty good because you can book for 40,000 points, a one uh, saver availability, a one way award from anywhere in the United States to Hawaii. Okay. So if you're on the West coast, that's not the best deal, right? Compared to like the Turkish 
deal we just mentioned, 12,500 versus 40,000 is a huge difference, right? But it works from the East Coast as well, which is huge because you're getting like a 10 plus hour flight in first class for 40,000 miles. That's pretty good. That's not that bad. Okay. It's not the best necessarily, but that is like more than enough. Okay. I, I do want to ask, is this first class product kind of like the domestic first class products where it's not even a, a life flat or is it more closer to like the international products that are like better in terms of the business and first products? That's a very, very good question. So it depends on the route and it depends on the aircraft they're flying. I have flown their flagship product. So it's on the A330. If you're flying an A330 wide body, they do have, I would not say it's a competitive international business class product, but I would say it's a very competitive domestic first class product. So it's in a 222 configuration and the seats do go lie flat. So I would say that's pretty competitive compared, you know, to like what other carriers are offering, even like United's wide bodies to Hawaii. Uh, they're mm. not very good. They're like dormitory style is the nickname. Unless, of course, you have, I don't, you know, I don't know if they fly Polaris. How, how, how do you find the soft product in terms of like the food or the service, especially when compared to other domestic airlines we're familiar with? I thought it was pretty good that, you know, the flight attendants were very friendly. The food was good enough. I was impressed. The bathroom was clean. It was very spacious. I thought it was it was pretty good. I think, you know, I would again, I would not say it's competitive for international business class at all, but it's a very comfortable flying experience. It's not like luxurious, but fully comfortable. The flight flew by, you know, the time was very, very quick. I, I, I had a good experience with it. So I think that's like another thing to that's really great. If you are flying some of like their like LAX to Lahui Kauai or LAX to Maui on their narrow bodies, uh then it's going to be like a standard domestic first class product. So it's not nearly as good of a deal. But if you are flying, especially from the East Coast on their wide body, it's great. And what's also interesting here is, okay, their, their standard saver award space is fairly tough to come by. However, if you purchase an economy ticket that is standard economy or higher, so just no basic economy, you can upgrade at saver space for 25000 That's also, it's not as good. Okay, it's not nearly as good as the 40000 award, but that's pretty good. Because Hawaiian Airlines treats uh, treats upgrade space and award space differently. And so this is a very weird thing. You can search their saver upgrade space either by calling in or using a tool like an expert flyer. From how I'm from how I understand it, there's no way to search it on Hawaiian's website directly. So like what are your thoughts on the upgrade, you know, space using it up the 25k for an upgrade? I think it could potentially be good value if you're flying from the East Coast, but I think West Coast, I mean, for me personally, it's just hard to justify flying business at first domestically in general, because, you know, even like a 40,000, 25,000, that kind of price, if I just put in a few more thousand miles, I can take a much better like business or first class product internationally, much more far away. So that's how I prefer to save and spend my miles. You know, I'm usually a cash person, economy, domestic, and then save those miles for the international business first person, but you know, it, it just depends on your preferences, what you value, you know, how many miles you have, you know, it might be the case that you're earning tons of Amex miles and Amex points. So it's not that big of a deal to transfer these over. But for me, I think the opportunity cost for some of those top tier products you're able to book with these miles is quite significant. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with that mostly. I think if you're on the East Coast, though, I would say that is basically competitive with international prices, right? If you're getting a 10-hour flight in 
what is effectively a, a decent business class for 40,000 miles. I think that's very competitive. You know, even some of the best programs out there like Alaska charge 50,000 miles for like a 15 hour flight on Cathay. And so the fact that this is a, a currency that's pretty easy to earn, you know, with various transferable currencies, I think it's it's pretty good, mainly on the East Coast. I think from the West Coast, it could be good if you wanted to do like a like, you know, if you wanted to splurge and, and have a nicer seat and everything. Um, not as good of a value. I, I did it personally, mainly just to film the product so that, that mm. there's going to be a review of that on my channel. But so f- and, and but Sean, for most do you people, yeah. recall if Amex usually has like transfer bonuses to, to Hawaiian Airlines? I remember Built did a pretty big one on one of their ramp days where you had a hundred percent transfer bonus that so became one to two, but that was just for one day. Um, do you know if Amex does? Something That's a good like question. That? I don't, I think they do. I don't know for sure. I mm-hmm. think they do. I feel like I recall seeing like 30% bonuses, like but I 20, 30%. Yeah, I think so. So that, that would be pretty good. Like if you're on the East coast and you're getting like a 25 K upgrade or, you know, 40 K award with a transfer bonus, that's very competitive. I would say, um, especially mm-hmm. given that the space doesn't seem to be as hard to find, you know, compared to something like United Saver, but it's very Do you have to call now, in to apply the upgrade or do you have yes. to do it online? You do have to call in to apply the upgrade. So that's the thing, like, that's what's like really weird. And that's why I feel like part of the reason why the upgrade space is much easier to find, because at least in my limited research, I didn't see a way to check it online on Hawaiian's website. So like I mm-hmm. found it using Expert Flyer. So that is like something that maybe is the reason upgrade spaces is, is easier because, you know, it's, it, how do you check that? Like for the average person trying to do this, you know, are they going to call Hawaiian Airlines all the time if they don't use Expert Flyer? So, and th- so I, I think it's pretty good overall. And you can also use Hawaiian Airlines miles in economy. It's not very good though. So the mm-hmm. pricing is 25000 from the West Coast, 30000 from Central, 35000 from the East for saver space. And you do get a 12.5% discount if you hold the Hawaiian Airlines credit card. Does not work for first class yeah. though. Like you, I don't, you don't think get I would discount. ever. I don't think I would ever transfer my Amex points to do that unless, like, for some reason, there's still availability and the cash prices are like so inflated that there's no other way. But yeah, yeah. that's just me. Definitely, I agree. Okay, should we talk about another way to fly to Hawaii, and that is with Southwest? Yeah, definitely. So Southwest is an interesting one, and this one isn't really going to be as mileage based like the other ones are award based. Southwest, though, does offer interesting value to Hawaii. So this is mainly on the West Coast, okay, because Southwest has a pretty strong route network from the West Coast to Hawaii. They also even offer inter-island flights in Hawaii. So if you're booking far enough out, and if you're not booking during super, super peak season, Southwest has these fairly frequent promo sales where they'll have, you know, 20, 30, 40% off the base fares on their tickets, oftentimes including Hawaii. And if you do this far enough in advance, and if you're like, you know, making sure to monitor this and stuff, that means you can get under $200 for round trip to Hawaii. And that I, that's possible to do. I've seen that before. If you do like on the recent sale, I believe it was a 40% off base fare sale. It was possible to book LAX to Honolulu for under $200 round trip, which is very good because this isn't basic economy like you may see on like, you know, Delta and United. You still get two free check bags. Yes, you have to deal with their stupid boarding process, but at least you're equal with everyone else. You still could get a good seat. You don't have to pay extra. So you're, you know, that's all in price. And so that's very, very good. You get the check bags too. You get the two free check bags, which is amazing. And what's also really cool is that when you, when they have these sales, they also include points usually. Almost always they include points. So you get a discount if you're using the same discount if you're using points. And if you use points, 
it basically makes your ticket fully refundable because there's no fees to, you know, cancel the cancel it or change it or whatever. And so that's amazing. And even if you book the cheapest cash fare, yes, it's non-refundable, but you can get a travel credit back that never expires. So it's really, really competitive in my opinion. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yes, uh, I definitely do love the feature of Southwest where if you cancel or change a flight and there is a difference in the cost, um, you just get that as travel credit. So you, uh, unfortunately, you won't get refunded to your original method of payment, but at least that really never expires and you can use it again. So I almost treat all Southwest, even the cheapest want to get away fares as like fully refundable in my mind because I'm always going to use that um, trip credit one way or another, right? Um, I also think... If you have a Costco membership, definitely consider buying Southwest gift cards. Uh, they usually sell them around $450 or so for $500 gift cards. So you're in effect getting another 10% off when you buy those and use them. And they also don't expire and they're all digital. They just email you the codes. So you don't have to wait for it in the mail or anything, which I, I really like. Um, in terms of using the points, you know, I will say one benefit, so to speak, is that Southwest doesn't have separate award availability than its cash flights. So if there's a cash flight available, you can always book it on points. Now, it may be a lot more points because they're dynamically priced based on the cash. Um, but at least there's availability. You know, I, you know, you're also able to transfer points to Southwest from Chase Ultimate Rewards. Uh, Sean, what do you think about that? value proposition. I, I personally wouldn't do it because Southwest points are worth, you know, depending on, on where you're redeeming them from, on you know, how expensive the flight is, about 1.3 to maybe 1.5 if we're being pretty aggressive. I, I don't see that really being worth it in my mind, considering that like if you do hold the Sapphire Reserve, you can just book flights on the portal for 1.5 cents and then those count as like a revenue ticket and you earn points on that as well. But also, of course, since you can transfer to Hyatt and better options. So I, I personally would not transfer points to Southwest, but you know, if you have points from the Southwest credit cards, I think it's pretty significant value there. Yeah, I think another tip that might be helpful to some of our listeners is that if you have the American Express Platinum card or the Hilton Aspire card, there is a airline incidental credit that's normally used for things like, you know, check bags or seat upgrade fees and whatnot. But if you do a quick internet search, you might be able to find some ways that it can be used for some flights on Southwest. I'll just leave it at that. Awesome. So now I think we should move on to accommodations in Hawaii. So we're going to talk about for each of the four main islands, like what we think are the best options. So starting with the most popular island, Oahu. So Oahu, in my mind, probably is the worst island for a hotel accommodation points redemptions. So I've been to Oahu, I think it's like 11 or 12 times in my life. So I've been there quite a bit. I've stayed a lot of nights there. So, and I know I'm very familiar with the hotels there. There's not that many, in terms of luxury points redemptions, Really, your only option for decent value is going to be at the Royal Hawaiian and Waikiki Beach. So Waikiki Beach is like the whole, the main beach of Oahu. It's like a Vegas on the beach. And so you can sometimes get one cent per point from your Marriott points if you're redeeming this. The Royal Hawaiian's a Marriott property. It's part of the luxury collection. It's really the, in my mind, the best hotel in, in Waikiki, Oahu, because the location is as good as it gets. There are fancier properties like the Ritz-Carlton Residences. But the location's so much worse. You're not even on the beach. There's also the Halakalani, but that's not a points redeemable hotel. The other ones aren't on that luxury tier as much. That's like really going to be your best option for a luxury points redemption. For the other hotels in 
Waikiki, you have Hyatt's portfolio. So Hyatt has three hotels, the Hyatt Place, Centric, and Regency. So the Regency, bad points value. I'm just going to be straight up. That's the best it's hotel Hyatt has. Category five, there. right? Has it been five? Category five. It's category yeah. five. It hasn't have you ever stayed there before? Right? I personally have. I was thinking of booking a trip there, but I, my family decided to do something else. But I don't know. Why do you think it's bad value? Because the cash rates are pretty cheap. So the cash rates are actually very good value in my mind. If you book in advance, you can get it base rate like under 250 a night. And so for me, 20,000 okay. points isn't really worth that, especially if you're a globalist, because you're already getting the resort. Yeah, I, do ha- I will say I have seen that hotel go like very expensive during like peak travel times, though. So I think there are cases where, especially if Hyatt's fixed award chart, it could make sense to use points. But you just got to look at the dates. That That is fair. And also, if you are a globalist and you're bringing a car, you know, parking is like 50 plus dollars a day there. So getting the parking waived because your globalist benefits really nice. I, but I, I do think like, yeah, I, I agree with you that if you're doing it during peak season and the cash price is very expensive, that can make sense. But for most of the time, I feel like paying cash makes more sense there. It's, it's a fairly yeah, good value, fair. good club lounge, uh, very good upgrades. It's a globalist. Every, every time I've been there, got an ocean front room. So no issues with that. Uh, the centric I haven't stayed at. That's also Centric's pretty good value. That, four. It's a category four, but they're very, they're, I, I don't like how it's managed, to be honest, because they're very stingy on the word availability. They play games with it. And then yeah. also, and this is, this really pisses me off. They, I, in my mind, I think they've purposely closed their restaurant just to deny globalist benefits. So you don't get breakfast there, even as a globalist, because they don't true have true that it's, I mean, it's been like three years since the pandemic. Do they still say that? The breakfast is unavailable due to COVID-19. According to someone in our server, yes, is is from what I understand. I could that could be that could change. I think they I gave you like five hundred points or something to compensate, which is like a joke. It's a complete joke. I a hundred percent. But I mean, it's category four though. So if you do have like a Hyatt one through four certificate and you can somehow find award availability, I guess that might be an option. Yeah, the trick, to be honest, is I don't know if you could apply a cert using this at all, but if you book, the Park Hyatt Aviara does a similar trick where they'll have minimum night stays for the standard rooms. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can book like a three-night stay minimum, and let's say you want to shorten it, you just call up Hyatt and say, hey, I want to shorten it, and they can do that for you. Yeah, I've had and, success doing that with the Twitter Hyatt concierge DMs as well. You can shorten stays. If you use the pay my way feature on Hyatt, you let's say you have like, Let's say you want to stay like five nights at a property, but you have to book seven for it to even show up. What I would do is book the first five nights using points. The second, uh, the last two using just cash, um, using the pay my way thing. And then you contact them to cancel the last two nights. Ah, uh, that, that's a very smart strategy. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really helpful because sometimes you may not have the points to book all seven nights. You have the points for the, the five nights or however much shorter you want to book. So using the pay my way lets you do that. That's that's an awesome trick. I think, yeah, a lot of people can get value out of that. And if you're a globalist as well, you can do points advance. And so borrow an unlimited amount of yep. points, make the longer stay, shorten it after. The other property that Hyatt has in Waikiki, this is, in my mind, the best value per point. It's the Hyatt place. So it's a category three, 12,000 points a night standard. Usually cash rates are about like 200 to 240 say a night. A lot of times it's on peak though. So we're looking at 15,000 points. Oh, it's on peak. Oh, okay. I, I, I have seen some of standard, but I, maybe during like, you know, summer, it probably does go to peak. Yeah. And it's not that, I'm you know, it's a higher place. So let's be real. It's not going to be a luxurious experience, especially like in the US, you know, it's not. 
I'm sure it'll be fine. But if you're looking for a aspirational a trip to Hawaii, <laughs> yeah, yeah, free breakfast um, one. Yeah, I will have to add one property that is actually not on your list, Sean. There is a Holiday Inn in Oahu by the Waikiki area, um, and you know, you're like Holiday Inn. What's the big deal? Remember from our first episode of this podcast, we talked about buying IHG points, and I've looked at that property and when you buy ihg points on sale for half a cent per point each it's like such a huge discount and you know it's not like the most luxurious property like the rooms can be kind of small but let's say like you want to travel twice and stay there what when everything is like really expensive buying points and staying at this holiday inn can be a very good deal i think that's an amazing strategy i think that's a very very smart play to do it i yeah i think the only main issue is that it's not going to be like an aspirational stay but yes, like as as we talked about in episode one, buying IHG points is like often a really good deal. On a similar note of buying points to get a good deal, there's also Vacasa, which is an option in like in Hawaii. Now, Vacasa doesn't have the best portfolio in Waikiki. So, so before let me talk real quick about Vacasa's. Vacasa is a vacation rental company similar to Airbnb. They have a partnership with Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, where you can use Wyndham points to purchase a Vacasa vacation rental at a rate of fifteen thousand points per bedroom per night. We talked about this in many previous episodes. Episode 10. The short story is... Check out... Episode 10? Episode 10 of our podcast. Yes. Short story is, it's an amazing deal. You can buy the points for less than one cent per piece on sale, and it constitutes an amazing deal because there's no taxes and no fees. So if you have the business Wyndham business card, it's like 125 bucks a night. If you don't, it's still like 150 bucks a night. Amazing deal. Now, there are two pretty good ones in Waikiki. I've actually stayed at both of them. Solid options. Very, very solid options. They're just like a block behind the Regency... Very good location, uh, good service, clean, very nice. But there's not the best portfolio of them in Oahu. Oahu is kind of the trickiest one here. But let's move on to the other islands. And, so, wait, just really quickly, overseas. I want to mention that when you book with Vacasa using points, you're not paying any of those garbage taxes and fees. So it actually is only around $125 or $150 if you're buying points. It's, and like as Sean has mentioned before, if you're trying to find a hotel for that, much even like a really bad one good luck in this, these places definitely in a place like hawaii yeah like there's no way unless you're doing a trick like buying ihd points it, there's no way you're getting a hotel for 125 yeah. 150 bucks a night let alone a nice place to stay like because these vacasas are nice like i very comfortable stays very nice so the next island we should talk about is Kauai. Kauai is an island i love i it's a very small island it's not as populated but I think there's two really good points opportunities. So one is the Grand Hyatt Kauai. Grand Hyatt Kauai is a Category 7 Hyatt. It's really, really nice. So 30,000 points a night standard. Fairly doable to find award availability. It kind of varies sometimes. Sometimes it's super tough. Sometimes it's easy. Great property. Some of the best pools I've been any at any hotel in the world. And it's it's great value. Great club lounge. I, I love it. Uh, have you stayed at the Grand Hyatt Kauai? Have you heard reviews of it? You know, what are your thoughts on that? I haven't yet, and I really want to. You know, I'm a little bummed out that they changed the category from six to seven. But looking at the cash rates, it's still like very high cents per point value, if I recall correctly. Um, let, let me ask you this. When you you said you stayed there, were you able to get upgraded or did you use sweet upgrade award? Very good question. So I've stayed there twice before, once when I was much younger, but that was before I was in the loyalty game. And then one once last year, so last year was on points. I was a globalist, three nights I had booked. And so, yes, I did get upgraded. I did not use a suite upgrade award. I didn't have those yet, but also it's very, very, very tough to get standard suite availability at that hotel. 
So I we were upgraded to a ocean view room, and it's very likely that you will get an ocean view upgrade because like 70% of the rooms or something have an ocean view. And so beautiful view, great room, solid upgrade. And because it was a point stay, parking was free or valet parking was free as well. And we had spa access. That's also a globalist perk, which was awesome. Having spa access is so good. I talked about this in the last episode at Hyatt Hacks, but it, it's such a cool perk, I think. And yeah, the only negative to the hotel is the beach is not swimmable. So that is a con, but overall a very good points redemption. There are so if I recall points... correctly, does it also have a club lounge? It does. And it's a pretty good one. Too. Okay. And that's where you have the, the free breakfast or whatever. Yeah. So you don't get like restaurant breakfast, unfortunately, but I think the club lounge breakfast is more than sufficient. And, you know, they have uh, drinks throughout the day and, and a little like miniature like snacks at, at dinner time. So I, I personally would prefer that to restaurant breakfast just because I loved going in there and fill it up. They give you a reusable water bottle. So I'd go in and get like the guava juice filled up and I'd like open a, a bottle of Perrier and I'd pour it in and it'd be like my little, you know, mocktail and nice. it'd, be, it'd be nice. Yeah. I, I feel especially if you're buying drinks on those islands, they're often overpriced. So it's nice to have sort of a lounge to get stuff from. Definitely. It will save you so much money because like buying, you know, a Perry is like $2 a bottle if you're going to like a normal store. So like, and I had like five of those a day. So, you know, it, it added up and there, there's other points options for hotels in Kauai, like the Sheraton Kauai is somewhat decent. There is a St. Regis that has been under renovation for quite some time. So I'm hoping that will open up at some point, but I think in terms of just Sheraton value, and, and uh, the other one are both Marriott. Sorry. Those, yes, those are both yes. Marriott. Hyatt's only property on Kauai, or at least only like Hyatt, like official hotel on Kauai is the Grand Hyatt. But there is another great option for Kauai. And this is also Vacasa. Okay. The Vacasa portfolio on Kauai is phenomenal. Okay. There are so many good Vacasas on Kauai. There, I, there's just like an endless number of them. And again, you can book it between $125 to $150 per bedroom buying Wyndham points on sale. That's really good. Okay. There's some like insanely, insanely nice Vacasas on Kauai. And I, I highly recommend it. I think it's like one of the best ways to stay on Kauai uh, all across the island, both in the north and south part. And yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good. So I think then we should move on to the big island. So this is the only like major Hawaiian island I have not been on. And so there are, you know, two options again here. So one in terms of like an aspirational stay is the Mauna Kea. It's a Marriott autograph collection, typically about 80,000 Marriott points per night. Cash rates are very high, like $800 plus. So you can get one cent per point here very, very easily from your Marriott points. Uh, there are other options as well, like the Hilton Waialoka Village. That one you can get pretty solid value out of your Hilton points, usually about like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 cents per point. Uh, it's like 75,000 Hilton points per night. Again, I haven't stayed at these properties, so I can't recommend them. But again, Vacasa is also an awesome option on the big island of Kauai. I've checked their portfolio, some really, really good places. So yeah, what, what, do you th what would you recommend to someone going to the islands we've talked about so far in terms of like what, you know, points redemptions for accommodation? Yeah, I will admit I have not been to some of these islands at least for a while. And I do want to go next year, maybe in the summer if I have time. Uh, but I will say like, Definitely look into Vacasa, especially if you're bringing a family. You know, it can be very challenging to book enough hotel rooms or fit everyone in. And the fact that Vacasa is statically priced based on the number of bedrooms per night is a huge boon if you have a lot of people. Um, I, I think Hyatt is 
as I said in last episode, I really like them because whether it's a lower end hotel or higher end, you can usually find some kind of outsized value using your points since it's fixed, especially in Hawaii where it's like so touristy, these cash prices are fluctuating a lot. So having a fixed award chart associated with these properties is super, super helpful. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Hyatt's, you know, especially like the Grand Hyatt Hawaiian stuff, just such an amazing redemption. And it, there's just, it's really nice to have that option in a place like this, which is so yeah. populated, so crowded. And so okay, and, let's talk about- the- And I oh, do want to ask you, Sean, what your opinion is. Like if someone's planning a trip to Hawaii, like would you recommend like going from island to island or just sticking with mostly one- um, maybe even just one property or multiple properties? Like what's that kind of dynamic like in your opinion? That's a very good question. So I think that depends mainly on two things. So one is the amount of time that you can spend. So I don't even just mean the amount of like budget you have, because as we you know talked about, if you're doing Vacasa, you can probably stretch your budget pretty far compared to doing a normal hotel. And I think, so it's really like the amount of time that you can afford to spend. So like if you, how much time you can take off work, if you can only go for a few nights, you know, stick to one island, it's not really worth hopping, you know, doing two nights on each island. But if you can make this a longer trip, then absolutely, you know, feel free to hop islands. And I think the other thing is really thinking about what type of vacation you want. If you want a like kind of serene, peaceful, relaxing vacation, don't go to Oahu. Okay. Like don't go to Waikiki Beach. That's not what it is. It's not a, a serene, relaxing destination. It's a it's a nice city right on the beach. And I love the city, but it's not a place to go and very and touristy. It's very touristy, right? You're not going to have that kind of stereotypical, oh, I'm laying on a beach and there's no one there and I'm drinking from a coconut kind of thing. It's crowded, okay? So so know what type of vacation you want. Kauai is like the greenest island, super lush, very, very tropical, more rainy. Uh, I Big Island is like the newest of the islands, uh, relatively speaking. So like the sand isn't going to be as soft. It's more lava rock, but it's huge. There's so much to do. It's massive. Maui is definitely the highest end of the islands. So if you really want to splurge and you want to stay at the fanciest hotels, that's going to be on Maui. So let's talk about the options for Maui now. So Hyatt's options on Maui, they have some really good ones. So the one I stayed at personally and I had a wonderful time is the Andaz Maui. So that's a Category 8 Hyatt, unfortunately. So we're looking at 40,000 points Didn't a night. did it just go up recently night. again? Um, it, it didn't on this most recent devaluation. So it was 2022's devaluation where it went up to Seven Category to eight. 8. Okay. 7 to 8, yeah. Dude, if they invent a category nine, I'm out of here. I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. I'm so I'm always so nervous around March when they like come out with these things. Like I'm just gonna yeah. be so scared. I mean, if there's uh sorry, it's a bit off topic, but there was like an inclusive the Miraval resource that have like their own award chart that's like beyond category eight now. So I don't know what that bodes for for the rest of the property. I agree. It's like the Miravals are just uh, absurdly priced. Like it doesn't even make any sense to me compared like they do offer some of those like uh, so just as a reference to the miracle it's like sixty five thousand higher points a night which is absurd like that that is ridiculous but they do offer like because it's per person price so it's like sixty five thousand per for two people sometimes they'll offer like a buy one get one free kind of thing bringing mm. it down to like category seven to eight pricing but they haven't been doing that recently but so okay. yeah the undoes Maui's a category eight. It's expensive. Uh, it's very nice though. It's in Wilaya, which is like the really high end resort part of Maui. I stayed there. Very nice service. Very beautiful hotel. Very modern. I, I would love to stay there again. I booked it at category seven pricing. So I don't, you know, category eight's a bit steep for me to be honest. 
I do think, especially if you can get like off peak though, it's, it's really, really nice. If you're looking for a cheaper Hyatt option on Maui, the Hyatt Regency Maui has also been highly recommended to me. I have not stayed there myself. That's a category seven. It's 30,000 points per night. Have you heard anything about the Hyatt Regency Maui? Well, yeah, it went to seven. Wow. It went to seven. Yeah. I thought it was six. I, I don't know. I haven't been to either of these and I, I do want to go from my understanding, like Andaz is like, obviously like a lot more higher end than Hyatt Regency, but I am aware that, I mean, Hyatt Regency, like you still get like sort of beach access, which is nice. And like, it's more family friendly from what I know, but I think it was Andaz Mavis. It's the one that has really difficult availability unless you book like seven nights or something. It is. Um, it has gotten easier. I will say. I feel like a little bit. I, I I've been able to find like okay. it seems like they've stopped. Playing I think it just depends games. on how how far advance you book. But I know that some people have experienced challenges trying to find award availability for Andaz Maui. Um, was it you, Sean, who said like that one had a really good breakfast? Yes, they had a phenomenal breakfast. My girlfriend still like all the time. She talks about how much she misses that breakfast. I mean, even at other very, very high-end resorts we've been to, you know, Andaz Maui was just so good. I don't know. Something about sitting on, like, the lanai there, open air, having that in the morning. It was just such an extensive uh, buffet. And it's it also, like, as again, as a globalist, it's fully comped, including tips. So for two people, it'd be $120 a day if you're not, if you don't have status. Damn. So but it's expensive. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess I should briefly mention there's another really high-end property that's bookable on points. Um called the Grand Walea Waldorf Astoria Resort. So that's under the Hilton portfolio. You know, rates can go upwards of like nearly $1,000 a night if you're factoring in taxes and fees. Um, so, so it's quite steep, but you're able to book this usually now at 110,000 Hilton points per night. I think it used to be more like 90-something thousand, but it's gone up. But, um, you know, like, like that's a lot of Hilton points, but honestly, it's probably one of the better uses of Hilton points considering you're getting almost, if not more than one cent per point on Hilton, which is very difficult. I think most other properties, it's more like anywhere from 0.4 to 0.6 cents per point. So if you have a lot of Hilton points and you can stack it with like the fifth night free benefit for having any Hilton status, you would be paying 440,000 points for five nights, um, which is not bad, especially how high end it is. Um, another hack to use is the Hilton free night certificates. So this property is eligible to be booked using the Hilton free night certificate. Anytime you see a standard room availability. So anything that can be booked with 110,000 points per night, you can call in and book with a certificate. We've talked about in this podcast before how to earn these Hilton free night certificates. I believe it's episode uh, seven but TLDR Hilton Aspire card gives you one free night certificate each year. You can get it spending $15,000 on the surpass or business cards as well. Sean, what do you think about this option and with the, the Hilton free nights? Yeah, I think using the free nights is a very, very smart strategy. I think it's a very solid points redemption on Hilton side. If you are booking at the right time, the availability is not that difficult to find. I will also say, remember, you can buy Hilton points at half a cent per piece when they're on sale. So when you factor mm. in with fifth night free, you're booking the hotel for effectively under 500 a night, which is very good considering the, you know, that's half the price of the standard rate. So I think it's a good redemption. I visited the property myself. I will say it's humongous. It's massive compared to like to the Andaz. Andaz is much smaller. It's mm. gorgeous though. My God, that lobby is like breathtaking. 
it is in need of renovations. It's on the older side, but they are in the process it's currently of renovating in renovation. It. Yeah, exactly. So that you know, it should be nicer in the future. I think it's a solid property. I am. I would like to check it out uh, myself into the future. I think so. Yeah, I think now the other major. Oh, by the way, re- you don't pay your uh, resort fees on Hilton as well. So that, I mean, that's a huge savings, especially in like Hawaii. These resort fees are enormous, whether it's Hyatt I- or Hilton. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, when you're not paying that resort fee, it helps a lot because I'm sure that property has like $50. Oh, you do have to pay for parking though. I think with this property, um, I believe valet is probably the only option. So factor that in. Very good point. That Yeah, that's probably like 50, 60 bucks a day extra, which sucks. But, you know, what are you going to do? The other major points bookable property I think that's like offers really good value is Hanamaui. So Hanamaui is a Hyatt property. It's a category seven, so 30,000 points a night. And this is a very, very unique one because if you're not familiar, Hana's on the very east of Maui, okay? And to get there, you have to take the world-famous road to Hana. So it's like this kind of cliffside road that you're driving uh, along the coastline for like two hours minimum, even if you don't stop. It's like only two lanes. There's single lane bridges. It's a very beautiful but also kind of scary road. And, you know, you're supposed to stop along the road along on the way and view all these different stopping points, waterfalls, viewpoints, and all this. Wonderful time, right? So when people do this road, though, it's a very, very, like, uh, you know, big thing people do in Maui. When they do this, though, and they get to Hana all the way in the east of Maui, usually they just turn around the same day. And they're very tired because they spent four plus hours minimum on this journey because you're supposed to stop. And then they just turn around and they go back to the town. They're exhausted. But Hyatt has the only major or only real resort in Hana. Okay. It's called the Hana Resort and it is beautiful. I stayed there a night. Wonderful. It's like in kind of these like, uh, I want to say like detached, like bungalow style rooms, very friendly staff, very peaceful hotel. It's pretty decent value for your points, about two cents per point when you're redeeming with Hyatt. And that way you could spend one to two nights in Hana, just relaxing, not having to worry about rushing back. One of the best meals we've ever eaten was at their restaurant there at the Honda Ranch restaurant. Overall, a very solid property. It's not as opulent and modern as the other ones. It's definitely mm-hmm. on the older side, but I think wonderful redemption. Have you heard of this property before? I actually heard about it from your video on, on your YouTube channel, by the way. Y'all should check it out. Uh, it sounds really cool. I would love to go, especially if I'm in Maui, but I, I do have two questions. One is, do you think it's worth the trek over from like say Walea where a lot of the other resorts are and two if so how many nights would you recommend staying in Hana like how how many did you stay did you think that was adequate very good question so like if it was just for going to the hotel like if your goal is I'm just going to go on the road and just drive to the hotel and not stop then probably not there's not much to do in Hana itself the point is that like a lot of the a lot of people have this goal of doing the road to Hana. It's like a world famous thing to do. And so assuming you have a desire, some desire to do that anyways, then yes, I think it does make sense because if you're already doing this trek, which most people are just turning around the same day, the vast majority are doing just that. But if you're already doing this and then you have the opportunity to stop there and stay for a few nights and really just relax and enjoy it, then I think it's worth it. My view, so I did one night, I that was sufficient for sure. But I wish I could have done two. I think two nights that way, because you get there pretty late on the first day, even if you leave, you know, leave on the road very early. We didn't, we left at like six, seven in the morning and we didn't get there until like four o'clock. So, because we were stopping along the way, it was a a whole journey. 
So, you know, in my view, if, you know, you're getting there late, it's nice to have one day at the hotel just to relax because it is very peaceful. So I, one to two nights is what I would say is, is what I would advise there. Awesome. Okay. I think that pretty, oh, there is a, the, are there good vacasas in Maui? I guess we should have. Oh, there's good. Of course there's good vacasas in Maui. Is <laughs> There's a theme to this video is on all the islands, vacasa <laughs> is a great option. I, I haven't stayed at any Maui vacasas myself, but I've looked at the portfolio. Very legitimate portfolio. Can't go wrong there. I, I seriously believe Wyndham points are one of the few points that you can just buy speculatively. I'm making my parents, I'm forcing them to buy the maximum number of vacasa points anytime there's a sale. They actually just went Wyndham on points. sale today at the time of this yes, recording. Yes. As of time of this recording, yes, I called my mom up today and I'm like, no, you're buying the maximum. I, I don't want to take no for yeah. an answer here. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely so good value. But remember, they do expire uh, based on like when they are earned or purchased. So just make sure you have a plan. But otherwise, very good value. Right, yeah. Four, you have four years from when they're purchased. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Okay. I think that is about it for today's video. I hope you all really enjoyed it. Um. If you, if any of this interested you and you want to pick up some of these credit cards where you might earn some points for these trips, especially those Hyatt points, definitely check out the links in the description below. If you sign up using one of our links, it greatly helps us out. You have no idea. Sean, why don't you plug our Discord? Yeah, so we, we'd really appreciate these are links. And yeah, if you want to connect with an elite group of award travelers entirely for free, again, nothing for sale, and you want to get deal alerts and you want to learn so much about the space, check out the Travel Lane Discord group. It's at the link in the description. You will learn so much, I promise. And so if, yeah, if you enjoyed this video, please be sure to give us a like and subscribe to the channel so we can see in future videos.